And now, PureFandom.com presents another episode of Brad and Court Talk. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another Pure Fandom podcast of Brad and Court Talk. I'm Brad. And I'm Court. Welcome back to the Boulder Free Zone. We've got a lot going on this week, right? Yeah, just a tiny, tiny little bit of things happened this week. Introduction of characters, characters going away, all sorts of things. People died from a pandemic, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that doesn't happen in real life. No. All right, though. Before we jump into that, just want to remind everybody to go check us out over at purefandom.com. You can find our full playlist of recaps and interviews over there and at SoundCloud as well. Also, be sure to check out some of the other great writers at Pure Fandom. If there's a show or movie you love, someone over there is writing something amazing about it. And Court, how can the good people reach us? Well, you can email us at bradandcourttalk at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Dev. He is on Instagram. He is Ramblin' Brad. And we have a few Facebook groups, right? Yeah, we got the uh, Brad and Court Talk one. That's the official one. There's a one out there for Van Helsing with... All sorts of people on it. That show hasn't. I don't. We don't even know when that show is coming back. We know they're filming. They film. Yeah. Or something. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I think they incorpor- incorporated things for the pandemic. Yeah. So like, they have to be careful. Yeah, like people are in masks and they're all spread out. It's kind of yeah makes sense, but yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and of course, there's the um, main pure fandom Facebook group over there. So definitely drop in, chat, see what's going on, and um, have a have a ball. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. Oh, and just a disclaimer, I have a toddler asleep in my lap, so if you hear snoring, that's her. (laughs) All right. I have a toddler outside. Um, She is playing with her brother. If you hear growls, that's her. Awesome. (laughs) My my toddler has four legs, but, you know. Cute. Yes. Okay, what was this episode about? We haven't seen many dogs other than Coljack, so. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, So, yeah, this was episode 104, The House of the Dead. Uh, it's more of our group um, kind of making their journey towards Mother Abigail and the Border Free Zone mixed in with them already there mm. and making some very um, important decisions about making uh, their way towards the dark man and whatever he has planned for them. Right. So we also see the creation of the ski patrol. Oh, I'm sorry, the watch. <laughs> the ski patrol. Yeah, close enough. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of wondering when we're going to go to um, Vegas and see some of these Vegas people. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, too. We already know Lloyd, who uh, who we saw, who Flag get out of jail. Flag got him out of jail after he kind of chewed on his roommate, his yeah. cellmate. He's hungry. Yeah. So we know him, but I, I guess we'll catch up with them like once our infiltrators have been there. I don't know. I I would hope like maybe next episode or something we get introductions to uh, Trash Can Man. That would be nice. I wanted to ask you a question. So we saw Tom get dropped off with his bike. Mm-hmm. Now, like when when Franny and Harold they were making their journey, were they on Vespas? I looked that up, and they could only go like forty miles an hour. Yeah, they were on scooters. It's all good. Um, yeah, actually, Harold was on a Honda something or other scooter. I know that because it has two headlights on the front. And I think Franny was on like a Vespa or something like that. It's, I don't know, if you're cruising around in the uh, apocalypse, it's probably not a bad thing. They get really good gas mileage. I was going to ask about that. Okay. Yeah, you're going to go like, you know, 40, yeah, probably 50 miles an hour tops. But you also got to put it at the point you have to dodge around a lot of traffic at times. Right. 
So they're maneuverable because, you know, I mean, that's the way to go. If you're going to do it, you're going to be on a motorcycle because, one, it's easier to do. But also the difference between riding one of those scooters and a motorcycle is the fact that you don't have to switch gears. So if you know how to ride a bike, you can pretty much ride a scooter. You can't ride a motorcycle, though. Okay. All right. See, that makes sense for me because I was like, wow, like they're riding these scooters. How fast could they possibly go? And I went and looked it up. But it's fine, too, because it's the apocalypse and they're not really rushing to get anywhere anyway. I mean, I could show you how to ride a scooter in like a half hour. If yeah. that. And I riding a motorcycle with shifting gears, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> it's like a lot more to go with. So well, I guess that's something I should learn to do just in case. If you can you ride know. a bike, you're good. All right. You just cool. jump on your bike and go and M O O N. That works for me. All right. So um we talked a little bit about that. Let's talk about obstructions in the road. So you talked about how easy it is to maneuver around certain obstructions. But they couldn't do that this week. But why? Uh, somebody parked a semi truck out there on purpose. They did, and uh, Harold thought that he was going to tag that truck like he's been tagging everything else. Uh, I told you I thought it was a bad idea. Right? Yeah. Um, but that truck had been there since pre-apocalypse because I had all the cars backed up behind it. Yeah, and so th- that th- he caught a lot of people in his trap, basically. But we only saw two survivors. Right. But we don't know how long he was there anyhow, so. Yeah, and, like, they've been going for a while. Uh-huh. And uh, that dude was, you know, coming out, doing his thing, calling Harold a snowflake. A lot, <laughs> going up to Harold says, let's go around. Come on. If you win, you get it. You get everything. If I win, nah, you're done. And Harold just, he he just doesn't have it in him. He's not that much of a fighter at this point in time. Yeah, like that was never going to be Harold. No, like he's more of a uh, the thinker, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but the, the thing about this particular scene, yes, we did have Stu and Glenn come and distract dude, which was great. But I like that the ladies did what they had to do to save themselves. Right. I mean, yes, they definitely got going on there, but one of them did not make it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, she didn't make it out. We didn't get a name for her. Um, we did get a name for, who was that, Dana? Uh, Dana? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think we got we got her name later because she became one of the three. Mm-hmm. Dana Jurgens. She became one of the three um, that was going to go on to cover in Vegas. Um, Dana Jurgens, Judge Paris, and Tom Cullen. Those are the three that end up going undercover. But first up, we get introduced to her in this particular scene. And I, I like that. What, was this in the book? Uh, no, I don't think this one. I, it's been a while since I read the book. I need to go back and read it again. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. But this is uh, Natalie Martinez. She's on there. And like, as soon as I saw her, I'm like, oh, my God, I've seen her in like um, everything. Yes. <laughs> like She is a favorite. And I was very happy to see her. Um, so yeah, it's cool that we got this introduction for her and we got to see how strong she is. Like she took dude way out. Like he's not coming back from that. Like if she was in the zombie apocalypse, she would absolutely survive because she knows how to handle herself. Right. She does it the correct way. If you, if you're in the apocalypse and you have somebody or you're in a horror movie, you hit them once and then you just keep hitting them. Exactly. Make sure they're Do not wait for that moment where oh you think he's dead but no he's coming back yeah and what do you think you've hit him once and then you decide to turn around and put your back to him so you know yeah don't don't do um the halloween move right like, don't 
hit the dude and think, oh, he's dead. Let me go over here and cry. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. So, I'm yeah, at that point in time, you know, Stu and um, uh, I, Glenn? Glenn, Glenn come and save him and take the dude out, which is good. I mean, that kind of helped out. So that's how we got those characters involved there. Uh, we also kind of have to talk about the whole flashback that we had with Harold and Franny there. Okay. Uh, when he does his whole, I am creepy and watching you sleep thing. <laughs> oh my God. He maintained being creepy throughout this entire first four episodes. Yes. He managed to get down that Tom Cruise smile. Like he did it this week too. And I was like, wow, he's really good at that. Right. Um, but other than that, like he had the whole creepy vibe down completely. Did you notice the Tom Cruise sticker on his, on his mirror? The cutout of Tom Cruise that was on there? Oh yeah, 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 and that's what made it weird because he would he would look at the sticker and, and you'd be like, oh wow, like he, that's he had the smile down completely. So one of the things with the flashback that really confused me is the fact that okay, so we know this is a couple months back when he told Franny that you know he loves her and everything else and tries to kiss her and she's like, I'll never feel these things for you. Get out of here, buddy. And he goes yeah. and cowers cowers in the corner. And he makes a co- comparison to Stu. So when is this taking place? Is this... So this is... Af- remember, so a couple... Uh, was it last week or the week before? They're messing me up with the whole time timeline thing. Um, so remember, Stu had been following them because he saw the signs as well with Harold and Franny. Um, and then he approached him at the warehouse. And um, this is where Stu kind of warned him... Not Stu... Harold kind of warns you off and he was like, you go, you're going to go with this guy who you just met or me. And I've been saving you like this whole time. Um, and after Stu meets up with them, he meets up with Glenn and sees the paintings. Right. So that's how those two are together. But when was this, when was he comparing it to Stu? Was it like right after they met? That's the part yeah. that I was. Yeah. yeah. Like so this Stu- is after Glenn and Stu met and like they are, he had already inc- encountered Franny and, um, and Harold. But they're not like he's, with he's each jealous. Other. He's somehow jealous of Stu already. Of Stu, and like <laughs> jealous of the guy who's not even with them at the moment, right? And who you knew for like two seconds. Mm-hmm. But you did bring up a good point because Harold says, "You know, the guy who's been protecting you this whole time, and what happened? Harold couldn't protect her, and Stu came in and saved her." Right. So you say you've been t- protecting her this whole time, but clearly you guys have not met up with any kind of resistance until now, right? Protecting you from little things, not big things. Right. Uh, yeah, and she does need, she hadn't confided in him about being pregnant either. Like she confides that in Stu, even though he already knows, but she doesn't know he knows. Right. Because how he knows is supernatural. Yeah, and everybody's like, wow, that's just weird. Hmm. Odd. <laughs> right. And they start um, like talking about how they all share the dreams, but Stu is not having those dreams. Stu is dreaming of the dark man. Mm-hmm. Yep, that he is. Harold and Nadine. Yeah. Those two get together, which is really interesting because, you know, she meets him on the porch there and, you know, kind of tells her she's promised her virginity also to the dark man, but they can do anything Harold Dirty Heart desires. He doesn't really get that far. I mean, he's excited. He has, has, hasn't has really had any <laughs> ever, maybe? No, no. He was a virgin, too. Still is. Still there. Yeah. Yeah, because, he, again, he, he shot his shot with uh, Franny, and she was like, no, thank you. Yep. Didn't try anybody else, and that was it. Um, Nadine p- kind of pulls him across on her side. You know, they got to get rid of those guys. Yeah. 
So we definitely see that she is completely on Flag's side. Like, remember last week I was like, well, maybe she'll come back over. Maybe she won't be totally bad. No, no. she's definitely bad, as we saw by the episode's end. Poor Teddy. I liked him. Yeah, because I mean... <laughs> he had a good plan. He did. I mean, they they start to watch up. They hand out um, jackets because all they have ski patrol because they don't have military uh, police uniforms. And just so happens there's that whole uh, pamphlet in Harold's jacket about blowing up snow. So they were. But this, I love, I love this part because it makes sense. They are in Colorado, which has all kinds of snow everywhere at any given time. Um, And so this made total sense for me. And this made more sense than like what we got from like the miniseries. Right. Like I couldn't see him being an expert in like what, like the dynamite or the like explosives making like it, in this case it was already explosives at the ski patrol um like center or wherever they went i did like the fact that he just happened to have that in his pocket it was placed there for him by the dark man yeah. that's what i'm going with it was fate <laughs> so they go to f- find the explosive from the public house uh public works department warehouse there yeah and one of the things that they started with the watch you mentioned earlier is that, you know, they were going to go walk around and find any lights that were on when they turned the power on. So right. they could shut it off and not put a strain on the power department. Which makes sense. And as Harold's out there with Nadine finding the stuff, the lights come on. And then here comes old Teddy. Poor Teddy. Uh, not Doesn't even get a chance to do anything, you know. The guy who uh, gave the nickname uh, to Hawk to the Her- uh, to Harold there, you know, mm-hmm. got his own nickname. They've been all good de- good together the whole entire time. Dude was busy going to look at <laughs> Blu-rays and everything else. Uh, I love that whole conversation, though. He goes, you think The Rock's still alive? <laughs> <laughs> These are important questions. Like, The Rock's like, still alive, and so is Bill Murray. Come if, on. If The Rock's still alive in the apocalypse, I'm getting on The Rock's team. I mean, granted, I'll, I'll have to increase my workouts on a regular basis, but <laughs> on a, I'll have to move from six days a week to seven days a week. But, you know. <laughs> You're not doing anything else. Not, not the apocalypse. Yeah, this is like the rock guys are all like huge buff. They, they have no cardio because they can't run. Um, <laughs> um, I do um, like the fact that like he, he really bonded with Harold a lot. And I wish like Harold had been more invested in their friendship because <laughs> he, he, he does not realize that Harold is in on it with Nadine. He doesn't realize what's been done. He sees her with the gun. He's been shot and he tells Harold to run like he's for, trying to protect his friend. Mm-hmm. And Nadine just flat out just shoots him right off the bat. And Harold's like, eh, OK, he's dead. So he's totally team Nadine. Mm hmm. And yeah, now there's time to. I'm just now. I'm wondering what are they going to do with Teddy's body? Yeah, like how can you explain him being gone? Like he was completely invested in that community because right. he wanted to have his movie theater. Exactly. Where did he go? Where did he get off to? Um, th- that's kind of the interesting part. If that plays out, I just I think it should play out because he was a key yeah. character in the whole entire thing. Oh, no, I definitely agree. Um, and, like, it's not like he's a character who's on the periphery. Like, Stu knew who he was. Like, you have characters who, like, he, he, he not, not that he was central to the story story, mm-hmm. but, like, he's central to that community. Like, they know who he is. They will realize that he is missing. Right. Um, and, like, that's something that comes into play with our, our three who are going to go undercover. 
Um, you have, again, Judge Ferris, Lane Jurgens, and Tom Cullen. Like, they can kind of disappear from the tapestry, I guess. Um, and no one will, will really miss them like they would miss the, com- um, the committee members. Mm-hmm. Like, if they went undercover. Right. So, yeah. we got to see a little bit of that, too. So, yeah, they picked their, four, their three people to head out there, and they did, and... Tom was one of them. I always felt so bad when they picked Tom for these things. Anyhow, just because. I I, I like the fact that they picked Tom. Like he is so innocent, and like yes, you you worry for him that someone will take advantage of him while he's out there. But they showed like picking him. They they're showing confidence in him being able to do this. Right. Like he has such an important part to play. I love the fact that him and Nick had on matching jackets. That was so cute. I, I kind of wish we got to see more of that journey. Uh, I liked seeing them in the warehouse and finally being able to communicate uh, thanks to a certain person. <laughs> to uh, a Julie there, Julie Lowry that, that we yes. met there. Yes. Um, so we finally got her in their meeting. Um, she was flirting it up with Nick before uh, Tom uh, came back onto the scene. And so, I thought something was about to, about to happen between those two because, you know, two attractive people. Even if, you know, she can't really communicate with him completely. Right. Um, but uh, we get to see that she's an asshole. Right. Yeah, there's some bad people in the world there between her and yeah. uh, Snowflake guy. Yeah. So she's very insulting towards Tom and and Nick both. And um, I'm not going to repeat any of what she says. Mm-hmm. Um but Nick's like, nah, like she can't come with us. And the fact that Tom still wanted to take her with them. Like, even after she had been so insulting to him, um, and, like, Nick was like, no, like, she's not coming. Well, I, Tom just didn't grasp what she was saying. That was pretty much the whole thing. No, no, no. He grasped it. He right. uh, he completely understood, because he, he kept saying, no, I'm handicapable. Oh, that's and right. He, what did he say? He said, um, like, I guess his social worker had said, labels aren't, oh, labels are limitations, mm-hmm. and guns aren't toys. Right. So he, he completely understood what she was calling him and like what she was saying. Well, Julie got a little mad there and decided to uh, start shooting at them as they're leaving. Oh, yeah. And it's not, I thought she was just going to aim it around them, but no, she was trying to take them out Whoa. for real. Yep. And <laughs> that led to the point where they're running out and they get run into like the bus stop, right? Yeah. When they see the ad there for Hemingford Home. Did you notice anybody else or anything else in that ad? Yeah, uh, Mr. Uh, Stephen King there in that ad. Yes, he made his obligatory cameo, so that was cool. I was wondering how he was going to pop up or if his son would pop up instead. Mm-hmm. No, no, I knew he was going to pop up. It was just a matter of when and where. Yeah, like that was really cool, and that was uh, that was really well done. So I keep thinking that in the apocalypse, though, um, in the pandemic... Uh, Stephen King would embrace the role of the cleaner from Sons of Anarchy in that one episode. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> they need to make that happen. So for those of you who have not seen it, Sons of Anarchy, I don't need, I think it was like season four, I think. Yeah, four or five. Something, four or five. <laughs> Stephen King was in one episode as this guy on a motorcycle. Just look it up the episode. Just watch that episode. It's very disturbing. <laughs> it's just... He did a good job. He did. He asked for all the weirdest things in the world and... Yeah, in like a sandwich or something. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the crust or some crap like that. It was weird. Uh, yeah, so they find a Henry for at home, and they go there. And we get flashed over to Mother Abigail, who's just hanging around there, talking to the corpses. Like yeah. you. 
I mean, who else is she going to talk to um, when she's not doing her dreamscaping? Well, this is the side thing. Like in the book, she was, you know, pretty much playing uh, spiritual music on her guitar and fending off flag uh, issues that she was having going on. And now she's just in a nursing home. So it's kind of a weird trade off on it. I, I don't know. I guess we get what we get. I so. mean, it, it makes sense. She's 103. Right. But even, but before she was like on her own at 103. But now I guess it's fine. She can be there. I'm good with yeah. it. It's fine. Yeah. And thankfully they arrived just in time because it seems like she's running out of water and other supplies. That she is. And they're there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird in this one because in the book and previous series and all this everything else she felt a little bit more spiritual when we first met her there's like a mm-hmm. little bit more to her and yeah. this one it doesn't Whoopi Goldberg just kind of makes her feel old which is fine I mean it's it's just a weird take on how the difference in playing the characters went or was that just me I, I, I thought she felt old in the other one too Brad right I know yeah but- she feels very spiritual but like for me and like in the dreamscapes okay no, like, it, it does feel weird when we're outside of the dreamscapes and now she's like this real, like we know she, we knew she was real, but now she's this actual older person. Oh, she was in an old folks home. Right. Oh, okay. That's different from what I expected. So yes, I get where you're going with that part. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was good to see her connect with, um, with Nick and Tom so that they can make their way to the border free zone. So yeah, it's different in the fact that she wasn't already there waiting for them. Right. And I mean, so far in this, part of it i don't we have her we know mother abigail is the one in charge of everything but she doesn't seem as spiritual as everybody else I yeah mean, and she's in charge of everything but not really because remember she set the committee in charge right. and nick is, speaks for her right and then she told okay the, and, and plus that moment from last week where um the dude escaped from flag and came through with that message so that felt like a very spiritual battle too right okay yeah that makes sense yeah we were good there all right. So, I mean, they can talk to her all they want to, but they kind of sort of go behind her back on the whole thing of sending spies to Vegas. Yeah. And I feel like they they they, they had that line, but I feel like she would have been on board with it. Right. Like she put them in charge for a reason. Exactly. I think that would have been fine. So, yeah. Hmm. So that was different. Um, oh, the scene um, at the, I guess, the community center where they're coming up with the idea for the watch. I love the part where they had um, Larry step up and he got to take on his whole performer persona to kind of put the crowd at ease. Because at first they were upset. They were like, "You, we, we want to know about that dude who came yesterday with these biblical wounds. Like, what was up with that? <laughs> right. And the one guy going, OK, when's the power going to be back on? Like, seriously, when's the power going to be back on? Yeah, so that there was real panic that made total sense and that I appreciated. So he got to handle the crowd and calm them down so Stu could then talk to them. Right, because Stu's like, I, I, I don't... And yeah, Larry knows how to deal with hecklers, basically, is what the guy was. And yeah. you, you, you got to say, dude, they're working hard. Let's talk about the courts committee. Let's talk about all these people who are doing it, the teachers, everybody else. These are all the people putting in work. It's going to happen. Stop being a Karen. <laughs> right but yeah I like the fact that that stepped up and, and then Harold going with I vote to keep everybody in charge 
Yeah, which made sense. He, he's got his whole Tom Cruise persona. I'm likable. We're likable. I'm supporting you, but I really hate you in real right. life. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Uh, and they also got the power turned on, and yep. Larry yeah. got to jam on a guitar again. Yeah, so they were all having a good time while poor Teddy was getting murked. Um, and really, if Nadine and those guys, when they saw the lights going go on in the center, if they had just turned those lights out, you wouldn't have had Teddy popping up. Yep, exactly. But he, Teddy, also did say he saw um, Harold's truck there. So, yeah, but that was only because he saw the lights, and then and they were on the lookout for the lights that they had to turn out. Right. Then I also wonder why Harold was driving a big truck with a big gas. It's horrible gas, but whatever. I'm just. I'll yeah, let he's it go. Best. All the bad decisions. Yeah, all the bad decisions there. I would at least get something with a little bit better gas mileage in it, not an older one. But hey, that's just me. Right. So, um, yeah, they, they have all the explosives they could want. Um, and I guess they're going to try to take out the entire town. Uh, that would there they be, go. They're going to take out something. Well, I don't know what. It'll be interesting. Well, it, they, he, he has a thing that he's going to try to call it an avalanche. Like, but where? <laughs> how is that going to work? He's going to read up on it, I'm sure. Yeah. It should be interesting. Like They've been doing a pretty good job with this, so I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still working on it. I can't wait till next week. That's for sure. I yeah, do want to see more of Vegas. Yes, Vegas next. There are characters out there in Vegas that I really want to see. Okay, so the Trash Man? I'm not see for people who haven't seen it and haven't read the book. I don't know if I want to spoil any of that. I just kind of want to. I said no. Wait on. All right, don't don't spoil it then. Yeah, I'm trying not to go back to other things very much because I just like it may happen. I don't know. And we got this whole entire thing of we know the last episode, um, whatever. Stephen King like rewrote uh, wrote a whole new ending for it. Oh, he did. Yeah, so everything that's going to happen at the end is going to be new that no one's ever seen because basically cool. he wanted everybody, all the all the main characters, to have their stand. And if you think about it, the one person who really doesn't get a stand in anything is Fran. Okay, good. She's good, pregnant, good. so she doesn't. Um, see, if I go too much farther on that, I'll spoil everything else on it. But Yeah, don't spoil everything else. But yeah, I'm still thrown off by her relationship with uh, Stu at this point in time. It's only been a couple of months. And they still throw me like she seemed like she was a certain age when she was with um, what's his name, Harold, in the beginning, like even of this episode. But she seems like she's in her 30s now. Yeah, she seemed to have grown some just, you know, like mature a right. lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. But OK. All right. You got anything else on this one? No, um, just waiting. Like you said, for Vegas onward, onward and upward. Let's go. All right, then. Well, if you aren't there already, head on over to purefandom.com. Check out some of the other killer articles posted there. You can check out some of our older podcasts for Van Helsing, Winona Earp, 12 Monkeys, which I'm I'm going to watch it again, I swear. I'm just going to start watching it here one day um, because I love it. It's awesome. The movie and the series. And The Expanse, which has been epic this season. Oh, my God. So good. And there are also a lot of awesome writers over there putting out some amazing work. Okay, and if you have any thoughts or comments about this episode, you can drop it below. You can hit us up on Facebook or email us at bradandcoretalk at gmail.com. All righty, until next time. Until next time, who is your creepy celebrity smile? Like, who do you practice smiling like? Jason Voorhees. Oh, God. <laughs> That's it for this episode. 
Head on over to purefandom.com for more awesome content.